The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. God well why don't you hold your Bible yeah let's give God praise hallelujah thank you you're gonna do it you better do it hold your Bible lift it up real high shout this is my Bible I believe what it says I am I can do what it says I can do I am a believer not a doubter a doer not just a hearer today I'll learn from God's Word and my life never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. I've been told to say this, that you can buy the Designer Life tickets on faithhillchurch.co.za forward slash Designer Life. Right? Did I get it right? Yeah. So we've been talking about the worry-free life. Amen. And man, I've enjoyed this series as much as uh, everybody else. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's some things that you think you're preaching at them, but you're actually preaching at yourself. Amen? And so the majority of this has been me preaching to me, and you get to just spectate. Hallelujah. And so we, we found out that uh, worry was not God's will for us. We found out uh, that God has a place for us as His children uh, to enjoy the worry-free life. Amen? Uh, Jesus said, be of good cheer in the midst of life storms. You and I can be of good cheer. He said in Matthew 6, 33, uh, we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. What things? The things that people worry about. And uh, we also found out uh, in uh, Philippians chapter number 4 from verse 6 onwards, the apostle Paul echoes the same thing. He says, do not worry about it. Don't be anxious about anything. You know, he says, but let God know your, your concerns in prayer, uh, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard uh, your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say uh, in verse 8, he reveals a truth to us that, you know, peace is a byproduct of our thinking. So he says, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are just, those of a good report, if there is praiseworthiness in them, if they are virtuous, think on these things. Why? Because uh, peace is a byproduct of your thinking. Amen? And so we, we ought to uh, 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 be careful. We've got to think about what we're thinking about. Because if you don't, the enemy is going to come with his lies and sow seeds uh, in there and they're going to cause all kinds of fears, worries, and anxieties which cause all kinds of problems. Amen? We also found out last week uh, that you can cast all your cares on Jesus because he cares for us. That word cast, we found out that it is used when a man is carrying a heavy load uh, and that they cast on a beast of burden. And we said last week that Jesus is our beast of burden. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 4, uh, he carried our griefs. He bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. So while Jesus was on the cross, he also took care of what I like to call emotional redemption. He redeemed us from emotional challenges. He, he, he bore our griefs, you know, the things that deeply concern you. Jesus bore them at the cross. Just like he bore your sin, he bore your griefs and he carried your sorrows. So if Jesus is carrying them, uh, there's no need for you to be carrying them too. Amen. Uh, Jesus is like this big 
uh, vehicle, truck, right? That has the ability to carry heavy things. But sometimes what we do in the truck, in Jesus, is that we also want to carry it. So you get your 25 kg cement of a bag of cement and you're sitting in the back of the truck, you know, on your head because I also want to carry this load. No, Jesus said, cast. The apostle Peter said, put it on the beast of burden. Let him carry it for you. If you don't, we found out that this load has the ability to affect you uh, psychologically. Man, you can go crazy with some of these things uh, that people worry about. Amen? He says uh, it's got the ability to affect you uh, uh, in your body. Physically, it can affect your health. You know, uh, physically, if you're carrying a heavy load, it may have an effect on your posture interesting enough spiritually if you're carrying worries and anxiety i mean it can attack your body you can get all kinds of challenges uh, through worry stress and anxiety strokes right uh, a result of that the entire side of a of an individual could stop functioning because they've been carrying this load for so long it's now starting to have uh, effect on their physical body. So Jesus uh, bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Last week we also found out that worry can slow you down when it comes to your assignment. Amen? Mark chapter number 4, uh, we talk about the wayside, the ground that lacked understanding. You know, when you lack understanding, a word of God, the word of God, and a word concerning your assignment uh, can escape you. You, know, you never receive it. That's the wayside. The uh, thorny, stony ground is shallow ground it lacks personal conviction and uh, the third one which is interesting was the thorny ground and jesus said it was three things the cares of this world the worries of this world right the deceitfulness of riches and the last of other things jesus said if those things are allowed to enter in they can choke that word uh, so that it becomes unfruitful uh, and we said last week when god gives you your word concerning your assignment Every single one of us here have been called by God to do something great. God has called you to a big vision. He has called you to, do, to make a mark on the earth that cannot be erased. And he has given it to you in word form. When you receive that assignment, it comes to you in word form. You receive it. You put it in your heart and you nurture it. You, you, you steward it and it grows and it starts to affect people all over you. It starts to affect uh, the world all around you. But here's another reality is that if you don't take care of it, of that garden, of that seed, of that plant, of your assignment, it can also be choked by the worries of life, the cares of life. The deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things. And what's interesting about the worries and the cares of life is that they're sneaky. You know, the Bible tells us that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. The, the, the worries of life are sneaky because, I mean, deceitfulness of riches is easy to spot. That's evil. When you see money trying to tell you to hate on someone, backstab someone, no, talk to the hand. I'm not going to do that. I'm not that desperate for money. It's easy to turn off. Amen? And it's also easy for your brethren around you to rebuke you around. If you, you know, you're getting swayed by money and uh, a mammon. I mean, your friends will tell you, bro, I think you've lost your mind, right? And the other one, lust of other things, easy to tell. You shouldn't be lasting after people's things. But the sneaky one is the worry, the cares of this world. You know why? Because people will say a little worry here, a little worry there is good for you. And no one will ever rebuke you for worrying about things. In fact, they'll pat you on the back and say, man, if I was you, I would be worried too. 
And then the good Christian people will say, well, bless you, sister. They won't rebuke you. They will never tell you, stop it. You're killing your assignment. No, they'll just say, oh, bless you, my sister. And the real spiritual ones will say, I'm praying for you. They, they actually never get to do it, but you know, I'm praying for you. <laughs> Amen. And so we, we, we see that worry is sneaky. And uh, last week we had an illustration of a man carrying the load, real physical load. I know I had bags all over me trying to walk. I couldn't even walk. And here God has called you to run the race of your assignment. Man, I couldn't even walk. Talk about running. There's no way I'm running this race with all these bags. Amen? And so that's why Jesus said you need to cast all your cares on him so that you can be free to run the race that is set before you. So worry is a problem. It can slow you down. It can choke your assignment. Can I get an amen? And so today we're moving on to something else different. We're talking about what I like to call the antidotes or the remedies uh, to worry. We've already, you know, talked about a few of them, uh, but now we're really zeroing in to try and get the solution. You know, how can I counter attack worry so that I can win uh, in this life? Amen? And so today we're looking at uh, Luke chapter number 10, and we're going to read from verse 38 to 42. Luke chapter number 10 from verse 38 uh, to 42, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter number 10 38 to 42, and I'm reading in the New Living Translation, in the NLT. The reason we use different translations is so that we can get a little more uh, deeper understanding, and sometimes it's just so we can read something in English, because sometimes when you read it in the King James Bible, it's like, say what? What are you talking about? The, the veil was rent in twain. What's that? It was torn enough, okay? And so you want to read it from different perspectives so that you can get some understanding. It's not just, you know, I'm trying to sound clever. I'm just looking for an easier version of the Bible that will bring more understanding. Amen. And so it says in verse 38, And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by uh, the big dinner she was preparing. So she had to cook for 13, you know, people. It was a, a big task, right? And he says, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Now, it makes sense, right? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord, Jesus said to her, my dear Martha, why are you worried and upset over all these details? There's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, Jesus is not saying you shouldn't prepare dinner for people. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying we should have our priorities straight when it comes to the things that concern us. Amen? 
I said, Amen. Uh, a story is told in the Old Testament of a gentleman called Gideon. Gideon had about 32,000 strong in his army, and he was uh, surrounded by the Midianites, who had about 135,000 strong coming to attack uh, Gideon. Do you remember the story? 135,000 is way more than 32,000, right? In the natural, uh, Gideon and his boys uh, are getting ready to be whipped. And so Gideon went and prayed to the Lord and asked for help. And the Lord Lord said, I'm going to give you some help. This is the first thing you should do. The word of the Lord came and said to him, the first thing you should do when you get to camp is to tell everybody who's scared and afraid to go home. So Gideon went and he said, guys, if you are afraid, uh, go home. 22,000 people left. Man, I thought 32 was less than 135, right? Now, 22 left, and he was only left with 10,000. If I was Gideon, I would have said, no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> 22,000 gone, and he's left with 10,000. And the Lord still says, too many. Take them to the brook. Get them to drink water. Now watch this. He said when they drink water, water is a necessity. It's a need. Without water, you're going to dehydrate, and uh, you're going to pass out and die eventually. We all need water. Amen? It's a need. And God said, take them to the brook to do something that is unnecessary for life, just like preparing food, right, Martha? And he said, I want you to watch them, observe them. Those that get consumed in doing the things, uh, even the things which are necessary, those that get drawn in it. God has called you to go to work. You should go to work. God has called you to run a business. You should run a business. But God hasn't called you to be drawn into it with all your being that you can't do anything anything else. He said, I want you to take those who have the ability, those who have mastered the art of doing what's necessary. They're going to work. They're doing their business. They're doing what they're supposed to do, but they've mastered the art of doing what's necessary with their eyes on the kingdom of God. He said, those are the ones that I want you to take. And so here we see that Martha was drawn into serving and into trying to figure out all the details. And Jesus said she chose the wrong part. She chose to prioritize the wrong part. The part she should have prioritized was the part that Mary uh, chose. And the part that Mary chose was to fit, sit at the feet of Jesus and receive of his word. That should always be your priority, to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive his word. Amen? And I don't want to be like like, you know, uh, just a religious uh, uh, parrot that just, you know, churns out things that don't make no sense. Because someone is saying, yeah, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus, but where be Jesus at? Is he in Randbeg? Where is he? Is he in Malibongwe? Which street? I want to know where Jesus be at so I can go sit at his feet. So I don't want to leave you hanging. How do you sit at the feet of Jesus practically? You sit at the feet of Jesus practically by doing and applying a principle. It's a Bible principle which is called meditation. Meditation. You meditate in God's word. And meditation is a cunning ability. God has put it in it, in, in the system. When you, when you receive the word of God and you meditate in it, it has the ability of allowing you to do other things while you are doing it. And you can meditate uh, a day and night. Amen? 
Uh, we talk about transformation that comes through, uh, uh, you know, renewing our minds. And the way we renew our minds, one of the ways is through meditating in God's Word. When you meditate in God's Word, you begin to change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, uh, you begin to defeat. Actually, meditation is, is the only one of the few remedies that are found in Scripture that have the ability to change every heart that's not productive and fruitful in Mark chapter number 4. The wayside heart that lacks understanding, how do you cure that? Through meditation. You meditate on scripture, scripture begins to reveal itself to you. Amen? The stony ground that lacks a, a deep conviction on matters, you start meditating in God's word, man, you develop a root system and you'll have a personal conviction on matters. Amen? It will be, hey, I want God, I, I know God wants me to prosper. I didn't hear a preacher from America say, no, it's a personal revelation. How do you get to that place through uh, uh, developing a root system uh, through meditation? Meditation is, is one of the few things God has given us through scripture that turns the meditator, is that a word? The person of med meditation and the object of meditation into one. When you meditate on God's word, you literally become one with the thing you're meditating on. As a man thinks in his heart, so easy. When I start meditating on prosperity, it doesn't matter what's going on. I could be renting a shack somewhere in the back of the beyond, but if I get to a place where I now have a personal conviction around prosperity, I'm a prosperous man uh, living in a shack just waiting to explode. Amen. And so meditation is the ability to take the object of meditation and the person of meditation and marry them and they literally become one, inseparable. Amen? This is why meditation is powerful. It also cures the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things. Meditation will help you fix that because now you've turned your attention from the world and what's going on around it and you're focused on Jesus. And I might add, brothers and sisters, that we're not talking about uh, uh, Eastern transcendental meditation here today. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Bible meditation, and there's a huge difference. We're not talking about yoga. We're talking about Christian Bible meditation. Amen. See, Eastern Transcendental Meditation uh, seeks to empty your mind. That's what they say. They say you can empty your mind and get yourself to a place of euphoria. Well, Bible meditation says you should fill up your mind with the good stuff. Amen. And when you do, you will get to a place of peace. Uh, Isaiah 26.3, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Why? Because he trusteth in him. Amen? So there's a peace that comes from God. I mean, when the COVID-19 started, man, you should have seen what they were saying about Africa. They were saying, man, we're going to be lying around all over Santon, you know, passed out because, you know, we're not going to be able. I mean, they had crazy prophecies about Africa. Thank God we just didn't pay attention to that. We paid attention to this. And because of that, throughout the entire a uh, uh, pandemic, man, we were able to enjoy the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Amen. Amen? Why? Because of where our minds are focused at. So meditation uh, is, is one of the ways that will help you to defeat the spirit of worry. Worry in and of itself is meditation. Except you are meditating on the ability in the problem to hurt you. Christian meditation is meditating on how big your God is and how able he is, watch this now, and how willing he is to help you and come through for you. 
I get to meditate on that, man, I start to get fired up. David was a master meditator. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. We know the story, right? But he meditates in the word of God. Day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers, which shall bring forth fruit in its season. Man, David was a master meditator. This is why he, he won every single battle that he encountered. Every single one of them. Never lost a single battle. In fact, David wrote some amazing things. In a place of meditation, David would write things like, I can run through a troop and scale over walls. How do you come up with stuff like that in a place of meditation? Amen. Let's go now to Joshua chapter number one. We're going to read uh, some, some awesome, awesome Bible verses that are going to help you. Joshua chapter number one. And I'm going to read from verse eight. Joshua chapter number 1, verse 8. And then we're going to head over to the New Testament because I don't want y'all living here thinking, oh, it's just in the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, uh, verse 15. And before I read Joshua 1, verse 8, uh, uh, it's interesting how the two gentlemen that are getting advice from God are in an interestingly, strikingly similar position. Both uh, Joshua and Timothy are in a, in, a, in a similar position in terms of the life challenges, in terms of the uh, uh, assignment that is before them. They are both taking over leadership from amazing, amazing men of God. Joshua over there in the Old Testament is taking over leadership from uh, Moses, the miracle man. Can you imagine taking over leadership from Moses? You are the, the, the successor, right? Uh, uh, to take over leadership from Moses, the miracle man. Moses, the one time he was talking to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's magicians came and started showing off uh, their skills through their uh, rods down, a few of them, and they turned into snakes. And uh, Moses was like, watch this. And he threw his one down and he turned into a snake and he ate up all the other snakes and when he picked it up, it had gained a little weight. <laughs> gained a little weight, just, just that rod. And then when he was leading the children of Israel, they got to the Red Sea the mountains on the side, and the armies, the Egyptian armies are coming behind them, and uh, everyone was in uh, panic mode, and Moses said, no, watch this, I got you. He, he pulled his rod, and, and I mean, the whole thing split, and they started walking on dry ground. Hashtag, crossing the Red Sea. <laughs> on dry ground, taking selfies and all. Amen. The one time the nation was hungry, he prayed, and food started raining from heaven. Baba, quarter chicken and chips is raining from <laughs> It's raining from heaven. Now you have to come and take over leadership. How do you top that? I mean, it was real, right? And then over there in the New Testament, Paul, miracle man. I mean, his shadow is healing people. They're sending aprons and handkerchiefs. They're healing people. Amazing things. He's singing in a jail. Earthquakes happen. Things fly open. Chains fall apart. I mean, Paul is experiencing amazing, amazing things in leadership. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And here comes Timothy, a young man, to take over leadership from Paul. How do you maintain that? How do you top that? 50,000 strong at Ephesus. How do you maintain? How do you sustain such work? Just like some of you, God is calling you into a higher place in your assignment. And the question you have is, how am I going to sustain that? 
God is calling you to a higher level of income. You know, actually, there is a greater uh, threat for the fear of success than there is for the fear of failure. A lot of people, you know, back down. They say, man, I'm not going to do that because what if it works? Man, then I'm going to be this big shot. And what am I going to do with all of that? Well, we have an answer for you here. Joshua chapter number 1 from verse 8. This is how you sustain it. This is how you maintain it. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein. How long? Day and night. See, when it comes to meditation, we're talking about a long-term permanent solution. Long-term permanent solution to worry. Because worry, the lifespan of a worry, if you're writing notes, write this down. This is going to help you. The lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention you give it. The lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention you give it. Attention to worry, you know, we're talking about worry, right? Stress, anxiety. Attention to those things is like pouring a fuel on a fire. How do you stop the fuel? You, you cast it to the Lord, you, you pray about it, and then you turn your attention to someone else. What's that someone else? You turn your attention to God's Word. Worry, stress, fear, anxiety. They don't like to be ignored. Just like you don't like to be ignored. I mean, if you try to reach out to someone, you know, you're trying to be friendly, and you're reaching out to someone, you're reaching out to someone. At some point, you're going to say, you know what? You know what? <laughs> Particularly in the dating world. Man, I've prayed for the people in that world. <laughs> Man, you, 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 hey, 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 you know what? That's what worry does. When you just don't pay worry any attention, man, worry gets annoyed and it leaves you alone. But when you give it all the attention, every single morning you wake up, you pamper that, you feed that thing. Man, it's got to have breakfast, right? It's got to have lunch. I'm going to feed this thing. I'm going to, oh yeah, I'm going to keep worry, stick around. No, I ignore the sucker and it leaves me alone. How do I do that? By paying attention to the word of God. Amen. I said, amen. So he says here, you shall meditate in the word of God. How long? Day and night. So uh, what we're talking about is permanent solutions. It's not just trying to get over the hump and then we go back to our lifestyles. We're talking about something permanent. This is a permanent remedy to worry. You can deal with worry today. Right now, draw a line in the sand and say, this is it. I'm going to start doing this, and worry will never torment you another day in your life. And what you do is meditate in God's Word. I remember a few years ago, uh, my sister-in-law, she, she gave me a voucher to go and get a facial treatment. She said, you know, you need to, to go and get a facial. I wasn't going to go because, you know, I'm not into that stuff. You know, so, but, but because she wanted someone to do it and fill in a form for her, she wanted what is called a mystery guest. You know, you go in there and then you fill in a form and you give feedback so that they can make alterations as management and stuff. So she gave me that thing and I went in there and I sat at the chair and they put a light on my face. I mean, as bright as that, put it on my face. And then the lady went on to ask me, uh, sir, what have you been using uh, till today on your face? <laughs> I said, I've been using Vaseline, <laughs> petroleum jelly, trusted since 1913 to 2018. She said, sir, you've been frying your skin. 
true story. That's what she said to me. She said, every time you put Vaseline on your face, she said, man, you go out into the sun, you are literally cooking your skin. You're frying steak. With your, you're killing your skin. Your skin can't breathe. I mean, she went on to put all kinds of fear in me. By the time she was done with me, uh, uh, you know, I had, uh, I think, about 3000 3, or so, you know, a bill worth of products that she, she had sold me. Because, I mean, she put all kinds of fear in me. Uh, but here's what she went on to say. She said this. She said, sir, what we are doing right now is called uh, skin care. And it's different from makeup. Because I told her, you know, I get on TV and it doesn't matter what I put on my face. They're going to patch it up for the show and I'm going to look good. She said, yeah, you can look good temporarily. But what I'm trying to educate you in and to get you to start doing will give you permanent solutions. Because it's going to fix your first, second and third uh, pigmentation. That's what she said. True story. And uh, so she said, man, uh, makeup is great, you know, but it's only great for a season. When you get home, you're going to have to wash it off, right? But what I'm giving you right now is going to give you long-term gains. And so when I walked out of that place, I walked out with about 2,500. Man, I was ready to get on that regiment so I could get some long-term uh, gains. And I, you know, started my journey, uh, and it lasted about two days. <laughs> Man, when I got home, I was pumped. Put that face mask, walking around like, you know, like a... <laughs> Man... Looking at my watch, five minutes, she said, you must wash it off. And man, I couldn't do it. It was way too much of an inconvenience. And she said, you know, after you wash, you must wash with this uh, uh, thermofoliant. That's what she said. She said, at night, you use thermofoliant. In the morning, you use microfoliant. In the afternoon, you use uh, exfoliant. I said, man, I don't have time for that. I'm not going to do any of that. And it lasted me about two days. And here, uh, what I'm offering you right now, and some of you are going to live pumped, like I was pumped, and you're going to meditate for about two days. <laughs> but God is not calling you to just do this thing for two days. God is calling you to do it how long? Day and night. He said, you shall meditate in this word day and night. Sikunes cut. Day and night, you should do it without taking a break from it. Well, Pastor T, that sounds so good. If, uh, if, if you are a pastor, you have to study the Word of God. After all, I, I work a job, you know. I have to crunch numbers. I have to do spreadsheets. I have to write code. I can't be meditating on God's Word then. How am I going to do that? Well, I have a question for you. When that man, that woman... That you had dedicated your entire life to when they dumped you with no reason? How many times in a day did you think about it? He said day and night. Man, you're going to get into trouble. He said it next, sitting next to his wife. I'm, uh, is it for the purposes of the preaching illustration? It better be. Okay, let's switch it. The creditors, when they wanted their money, they called you. They said, man, tomorrow, 12 noon, if you don't pay this amount of money, we're coming to repossess the car. We're coming to repossess the car, the house, you, the children, everyone. We're coming to take. How long in a day did you think about it? All the time. Did you, could, you, did you, could you think about it while driving? Oh, so you can think about stuff while doing other things. Did you think about it while cooking? 
Oh, so you have the ability to think on stuff while cooking. Did you think about it while dropping the kids at the school? Yeah. So all of this shows us that we have the ability to meditate day and night. So God is not asking you to do something that is out of this world. God is asking you to take what you have been using on the wrong thing and start using it on the right thing. You are already a meditating machine, except you've been meditating on the problems. Now it's time to turn it around and start meditating on God's word. Amen? I said amen. amen. And now let's go to Timothy. Let's see what the Lord said to Timothy. First Timothy chapter number 4, right? Verse 15. First Timothy chapter number 4, uh, verse 15. Thank you, Jesus. First Timothy chapter number 4, verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse 15. What's the first word? I didn't hear that. Almost heard that. The first word there is meditate. He says, Timothy, if you're going to be successful at this thing, what you must do is meditate. Meditate upon these things. What things? The things that I've told you, the, the valuable things I've given to you. For us, it's the word of God. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. That's what meditation is. Meditation is when you give yourself wholly to the word of God. When you, uh, 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 at the, when you are at the disposal of God's word. Your mind, will, and emotions must be at the disposal of God's word. You know, I, I, I control what I feel. I control my emotions. I always beat up my emotions to line up with God's word. When my emotions start to stray away, I fix them. I just don't go with the flow. Emotions are like the air conditioner in your car. God has given them to you so you can enjoy them. God has given you emotions so you can enjoy feeling love. You can enjoy uh, the joy of the Lord. You can enjoy these things, the peace. God has given you emotions to enjoy the good side of emotions. Just like your air conditioner in your car is supposed to give you cool air when it's hot outside. Now, if the thing starts blowing hot air, what are you going to do with it? None of you in here will say, well, that's what... This thing just decided to do. I don't know. Quesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. These are the cards that life has dealt me. I'm just going to go with the sing low, sing chill. No, you turn the sucker off. And God has given you authority to turn off your emotions when they start blowing anxious air. When they start blowing fear air. When they start blowing worry air. Man, you turn them off and you focus onto God's word. Amen? I said amen. amen. And listen, I'm not saying that you're going to go get to a place where it's all peaceful and you know there's no problems in this world. And no, as you walk out of here, you're going to get opportunities to worry. Oh, forget about walking out of Some of you are getting opportunities right now to worry. <laughs> Let's talk about live when you get in your... Some of you right now are worried about what I'm going to say next. <laughs> Man, people worry about all kinds of things. Amen? When those opportunities come, don't take them. Say, I'm not there. Remember, uh, the lifespan of a worry is determined by the attention. Man, you ignore that thing, it's just going to leave you. Amen. 
I said, amen. So how do we practically uh, meditate? Let's look at some ways that you can meditate practically. Three ways that are going to help you. The number one practical way to meditate is to ponder, which means to think on something over and over again. So you think on scripture over and over again. You allow scripture to replay itself in your mind over and over again. It's similar to a cow. A cow is a, a ruminant, and uh, when he goes out during the day to graze, uh, whatever he puts in goes to the first and the second stomach and he never gets any nutrients from the stuff that's in the first and the second stomach. He only starts to get nutrients when he gets home he throws it up and he starts to chew it again. Oh gross. And then when he throws it into the third and the fourth stomach, he starts to draw nutrients from it. Similarly, when it comes to God's word, sometimes, just sometimes, you don't get the value that's in the word of God by just brushing through it and just kind of having a surface level uh, knowledge of God's word or just by having heard by someone who heard from somebody else. You only start to get real value when you chew the card. How do you chew the card? You Stay on one scripture and play it to yourself over and over and over and over again and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that scripture to you. Amen? That's how you do it. Thank you, Jesus. That's how you do it. You stay on that word until you draw all the life out of it. And you know, we were talking about the things that you think about and the things that you meditate on. Listen, if, if they had called you to say they are coming to repossess your notebook, how many of you would have worried about that? None of you. They would say, man, I'll bring it myself. <laughs> the reason you worried was because you perceived that you were losing something of value. If it was someone that you weren't really planning a, 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 a long life, uh, of happiness and marriage with, you are, psh, psh. right? But if it's someone you are planning to commit to, if they dump you, man, I'm going to think about it. Well, what did I do wrong? Man, I'm going to try and get them back. You know why? Because I perceive value. The reason why most people don't meditate in God's word is because of one word, value. They don't perceive value in it. And because of that, they don't give it a time of day. You only think about the things that you value. When you start valuing the word of God like Job did, Job said it like this. He said, Lord, I esteem your words more than my necessary food. In other words, before I think about, I'm going to think about the word of God more than I think about breakfast. Now, aren't your neighbor and say, how about that? David said, your word is more precious to me than fine gold, sweeter than honey. He looked at God's word and perceived value. And because of that, he meditated in it day and night. And so to ponder means to play the words to yourself over and over and over and over again. Psalm 62 verse 11, David said it like this. He said, Lord, you spoke once. Twice I heard it. Now, how did he hear it twice if the Lord spoke it to him once? He kept playing it to himself over and over and over and over and over again. Amen? That's what to ponder is. It is to keep playing that word of God back to yourself. Can I get an amen? amen. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Uh, the other way you meditate is to mutter. 
What is tomata? Tomata is to speak under your breath. That's why he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Because real meditation, a part of it, looks like this. You're speaking under your breath. You're preaching to yourself. You t- See, because the real person you should be talking to sometimes is you. Man, I talk to myself all the time. Sometimes I'm in the shower, showering, and I'm talking to myself. Yeah, when we get that uh, 1.5 billion, this is what we're going to do. This is what. And sometimes I do it because I just want to talk to someone at my level. <laughs> Amen. Because yeah. I know if I bring it to Pastor Henry, you know, I just want to get this 1.5. He's going to say, bro, are you crazy? And so sometimes I just have to go and speak, speak under the breath, glad tidings. I just want to talk to someone at my level. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go over there and we're going to reach the world. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to see people healed. We're going to do, I'm speaking under the breath. Where am I preaching to? I'm preaching to. I'm the best customer when it comes to my powerful sermons. I'm talking to me. This is what we're going to do. And I'm speaking under my breath. I can't bring it up to Marshall yet because he's going to say, dude, we don't even know you in four ways. <laughs> talking about you're going to reach the world. We don't. Sit down. So I can bring it to him, right? And so that's why God has given you the ability to mutter it, speak it under your breath, so you can convince yourself. Sometimes, just sometimes, we need to teach the charismatic church to be a little less loud. Just so they can develop and grow root systems in this principle of meditation. It's really hard to come. I mean, we are charismatic. We get fired up, right? We preach in tongues. We dance. The music is loud. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to come and preach a sermon like this to a group of people that want to get loud. But I want you to realize that even with the children of Israel, they were silent for six days and only shouted but for a moment. Sometimes you just got to be still and know that he is God. It is in your stillness that you get the revelation knowledge of who God is. Just sometimes there is a place for meditation so we can develop a root system. And how do you do that? You talk to yourself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to win again today. I'm going to do this. Man, I'm going to do this. I've seen it with uh, sports our personalities out there, man, they talk to themselves all the time under their breath. They're talking to themselves. Because, you know, the real person you need to convince sometimes is just the one that you see in the mirror. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I said amen. amen. And so the, the third way you can imagine, we say the first one is to ponder, right? The second way is to matter, speak under your breath. Uh, the third way you can meditate practically is to imagine. Someone say Imagine. It is to imagine. You have to receive imagination. This is what I call it. Receiving images from another nation. What nation? The nation of the kingdom of God. You have to receive those images so that you can stop being controlled by these images that you see around you. Amen? You have to constantly receive the images that come. This is why God, God has a strategy. God, man, God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's clever when it comes to giving us things to work with. He gives us the words. And he, what he wants the words to do is to paint pictures of possibility on our hearts. How many of you realize God could have said to the children of Israel, I'm giving you land? Could have said that. That would have cut it. 
That would have been the truth. God has given them land. But he went on to say, I'm giving you a land that flows with milk and honey. Why? Because he wants them to see something. He could have gone to Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. Full stop. He said, the first thing we're going to do, Abraham, is I'm going to change your name from Abraham to Abraham. Lord, what does Abraham mean? It means father of many nations. So Abraham started seeing himself as a father of many nations. Come out of the tent, Abraham. Look up to the sky. Can you count the number of stars in the sky? Put something before you that you can see with these physical eyes for the promise that God has for you. Can you count these stars? No, I can't. As numerous as they are, that's how many children you're going to have. That's how numerous your seed are going to be. Can you count the grain, uh, the sand of the ground? No, I can't. That's how numerous the children you're going to have, the seed you're going to have. God uses all these things because he's trying to paint pictures of possibility on the canvas of your heart. Don't allow your FNB account that privilege and opportunity to paint on the canvas of your heart because that painting is going to be limited. And here's what's cool about imagination. <laughs> imagination is unlimited. Man, you should talk to children. You should talk to my girls. My girls, will, they, they will be uh, going through a magazine and they'll be like, oh, that's my house. That's my house. We're training our children that God is the one that tells you what I can and cannot do. You talk to people, man. People are so limited by the carnal and the natural. You talk to people, man. Say, man, you, where are you going to uh, uh, vacation for the Christmas? Well, you know, Pastor T, if we could go to Randbeck, that would be awesome. If we could just make it to Randbeck, that would be awesome. What are they doing? They are imagining based on what they're holding in there. God never called you to make plans. God has never put a plan on your life based on what you have in your hands. It's always greater than what you have in your hands. Let's feed 5,000 people. What do you have? Two fish and five loaves? Not enough, but we're still going to do it. Man, when you look at the two fish and five loaves and allow that to stop you, we as God's children, man, we should be imagining all the time. And you know the great thing about the imagination phase, which I like to call the faith phase. Because once you possess the thing, you don't need any faith for it, right? Faith is the imagination phase. Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Those things are not seen in the natural, but they can be seen with your spiritual eyes. That's what faith is. When you start seeing things that can't be seen with this physical. Man, we've already had about five different church buildings. Seen them in my imagination. I built the first one. Man, I didn't really like it. Tore it down. Built the next one. And put the glass. I moved the glass from the side to the... Didn't cost me a penny. Man, you should be engaging your imagination a little more. Amen? Amen? The only thing the enemy can't limit you is your imagination. And you should break forth when it comes to your imagination. Hebrews, uh, uh, Ephesians chapter number 320. It says, now unto him who's able to do exceeding. That would have been enough. Just those three words. 
Just three adjectives, right? That would have been enough. He's able to do exceeding. That would have been awesome. The apostle Paul keeps throwing them in because he's trying to paint uh, 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 the ability, unlimited ability of God's power to the people that he's communicating to. He says, now unto him was able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all you can ever ask, think, or imagine. Watch this now. According to the power that is at work in you or according to how much you allow him to paint on the canvas of your imagination. Amen. Man, carnal people, literally, when the word of God is trying to paint new things, they literally snatch the brush out of their hand of God's word and just throw it, break it, and give it to him. In the face. He's trying to paint new pictures with a, a teaching, with a sermon, with words. Man, they literally keep snatching that thing and break it. I don't want you to paint this thing. They don't do it intentionally. The enemies uh, deceive them to do it. But every time, you know, and sometimes we are so innocent in doing Oh, no, I'm not the one. I'm, I shouldn't be the one doing that. Oh, no, God isn't. Oh, it's for the upper echelon. Oh, it's for the who's and who's. And no, it's not for us. And we keep literally with snatching the brush out of his hands and breaking it. And we allow the news, 8 o'clock news, to paint on the canvas of our imagination. Amen. We need to fix that. We need to change that. See, I said in the first service, if I say apple, what do you see? An apple. And if I say Grammy Smith, what do you see? Grammy Smith. You don't see the word A-P-P-L-E. You see an apple. If I say pink lady, you switch. You move from Grammy Smith and you move to pink lady. That's what your imagination is supposed to do with God's word. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement was of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we are healed. What should you see? Healing. Here, we are healed. Praise God. He will supply all our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What should you see? Needs being supplied all over. Amen? My God is my fortress. He is my defender. What should you see? That's what you should, you should see. Uh, a gentleman was raised from the dead. He comes to this church. His name is Mash. He came to my office. He gave his testimony, you know, for the public, you know, and then he came to my office uh, a few months after, and he, you know, he began to break, really break it down for me what he saw in the spiritual realm. I mean, he saw a warrior fighting people off of him, you know, and he saw Jesus. He actually saw Jesus, you know, kiss him on the forehead. And I mean, he saw amazing things. And one of the things he saw was he saw this angel who was big and he was fighting off everything that was coming uh, to try and uh, latch itself on him just fight I mean he was like man this dude was a bad dude and when he said that I said I'm taking that now when I read scripture and he says the Lord is my defender guess what I see I see that bad dude no, no, he saw the real dude. Now I can take the real dude that he saw and bring him into my imagination. Because I already have a foot to stand on. Mash saw it. He saw it in the Jesus allowed him to see it. I may not see it like he saw it, but guess what? I can create it. So when I go to see it, man, I see that bad dude fighting off COVID from our gate, from our house, just bam, just bam, just bam, just bam. It's fighting it off all the way back. You know, when he says, no plague shall come near our dwelling, now I have a mental picture of no plague shall come near my dwelling. That bad dude be defending my house, my territory, my wife, my kids. 
And I engage my imagination. And the word of God is not just ink and paper. It is life. And when you receive that life and allow it to come alive on the inside of you, you will begin to see things that are greater. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse 14, you know what it says? It says, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Every time I get into a battle, do you know what I see? And the winner is... Some of you go into the battle thinking, ah, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Let's just pray. Man, you need to start engaging. I was talking to someone. They started a business and they were saying, man, I'm not sure this thing is going to succeed and so on and so forth. I said, man, do you realize that kind of people out there have more faith than that? He said, what do you mean? I said, if two teams playing a championship in the finals, I was saying in the first service, ladies, you know, the finals means, you know, right at the end of the tournament. <laughs> and it's only two teams that are left, you know, right at the beginning. It could be 16, it could be 32. And your probability to win is around 1%, 2%, 5%, depending on, you know, how well you play. But when it's the finals, your probability moves from 1% to 50%. Now you have a chance. But even the underdogs... On, comp on, on finals day, they show up with championship t-shirts that says, we are the champions. The other guy in a documentary, you were saying, he was shocked because he knew that his team was going to take this one. But when he peeped into the opposition dressing room, he saw they were also getting ready for a celebration. <laughs> they were also bringing out champagne bottles. They're, they're ready for celebration. And he went into his own dressing room. He also saw that they were getting ready for a celebration. I mean, it hit him psychologically. Now, these are kind of people who only have a 50% chance to win the battle. Now, you and I can say thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. We should be wearing champions t-shirts all the time. We should be bringing out champagne. Not the real champagne. We should be, you know, metaphorically. We should be bringing out champagne so that we can celebrate. You can use appetizer. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Man, you are a meditating machine. Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight, his excitement, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. Imin in obusuku. Dag and nag. Day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaves also shall not wither. And whatsoever, whatsoever, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Man, this is available for us. It's time that we start taking advantage of it. Amen. You're going to walk out of here with a, a 2,500 rand worth of a bag worth of products. Use them. Not going to help you just having them sit on your uh, uh, dressing table and you go back to Vaseline. It's not going to help you. Not going to help you. When you get home, start meditating. 
If you don't know how to do it, you can practice through Pinterest. If your meditation is not wild enough, it's not radical enough to see the promises of God, if you can't see people walking out of a wheelchair yet, go on YouTube. Find someone who's seen it and start seeing it so that when you lay hands on them, you expect them to walk out of a wheelchair. Amen? It says, believers shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. If you've never imagined anyone in your family owning a property, owning a home, owning a house, go and Google what a title deed looks like. Print that thing, remove the name that's on it, the Google one, put your name on it. Frame that thing. Put it where you can see it. Start imagining yourself being there. Activate your imagination to see the impossibility. Listen, what I'm telling you is the truth. It will work if you work it. If you don't, and here's the thing about your imagination, it's got to be trained. If you don't train it, there's just certain places it won't go. It won't go. There's certain places. <laughs> right now, imagine yourself in a Rolls Royce. Just close your eyes, imagine yourself. See, most of you like, I don't even know where to start. Like, Okay, imagine yourself getting into a Rolls Royce. Like, how do I open the door? <laughs> you know why? Because you've, ex- you've never experienced one. So how do you start to experience things that you've never experienced? As you read the word of God, you see Jesus calling Lazarus forth. Lazarus, come forth. You put yourself there with him. You've never been there, right? In real life. You put yourself there with him. You just stand right next to him and say, yeah, Jesus, come on, Jesus, do it. Lazarus, come forth. You must see Lazarus coming forth. And the next time you imagine it, you must see yourself calling Lazarus forth. And as you call him forth, he is going to come forth. Amen? Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for these, your precious children. Lord, we just thank you even for the power of meditation, the power you have given us to activate our faith, the power you have given us to see things that are beyond this physical, natural realm as you have instructed us uh, to look to the things that we can't see, the things that are in the unseen realm because the things that we can see with this physical eyes are limited. Lord, we thank you that as you calling us into this deeper place of uh, revelation, into this deeper place of uh, vision, into this deeper place of, of seeing, Lord, I pray that you may just make our hearts sensitive to see the things you want us to see. Lord, I thank you that this bunch, under the sound of my voice, they are not limited by their natural circumstances. Not limited by anything. But Father, that they believe the impossibility. That they believe that your word can't be stopped. Lord, we just thank you. And we give you all of the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. And Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.